Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, in this issue, we have our big 2020 preview, and the soaps have some major storylines planned. So on Bold and Beautiful, it will be another big year for Thomas, who will step up his efforts to win Hope's heart while also plotting to get rid of the Logan family. Um, a surprise death will shake up the canvas, and Katie and Bill will be in the thick of the family drama. So I spoke to Brad Bell for these teasers, and he assured me that we're going to see more of fan faves like Rena Sofer's Quinn and John McCook's Eric, as well as Don Diamond and Heather Tom as the aforementioned Katie and Bill, um, which I think fans will really welcome because there was somewhat of an imbalance right. on the canvas last year. Mm-hmm. Um, on Days of Our Lives, the story behind Adrian's shocking death will finally be revealed in late January. And wow, is it going to be a doozy. Um, The show is going to devote a whole week to the threads of that tale. And Ron Carlovati told me that it really is a can't-miss week for the fans. Um, Additionally, Stephen Hope will team up to break up John and Marlena. And Eric and Sarah will get more bad news about their baby Mickey. So over at uh, GH, Nell is going to be released from prison. Oh, yeah. And uh, like, woohoo. And... um, she has uh, been plotting revenge behind mm-hmm. bars, and we are finally going to find out what she's up to. Uh, Liz and Franco will face new complications, one of which is uh, Nicholas's return and mm-hmm. its impact on Liz. And Laura will be thrust into a new role when Port Charles is faced with a crisis, and the Quartermains will have to pull together uh, to navigate a big threat to their family. Oh. On YNR, Nikki will embark on a secret project that will surprise her family. Phyllis will set her sights on a new man in Genoa City. Oh, okay. Billy and Amanda will find themselves in a dangerous situation. And Ashley will visit from Paris to settle some unfinished business. You know, I like how they've been bringing Eileen Davidson in and out of these stories. Absolutely. I think it works so well. Um, so, you know, I was thinking about the fact that we are actually kicking off my fifth decade as a soap viewer. Wow. Um, I think I've made it quite known that I was the biggest Luke and Laura fan and started watching GH in 1980. And here we are in 2020 and it's kind of nuts. I mean, the 80s for me was such a special decade as a soap viewer. You know, in addition to Luke and Laura, I started watching Days and it was the era of the super couples 
And I'm so happy I was there for it. Um, I also got hooked on Lillian Holden's teen romance on As the World Turns, not to mention also Lillian Dusty. Um, I was a big fan of Cricket and Danny on YNR. And plus, B&B debuted while I was a freshman at college. For me, it all started in the 80s, too. That's when I got hooked on Days because my best friend from grade school's mom watched. That's when I bought my first issue of Soap Opera Digest Mm -hmm. and, like, started reading up on all the shows I didn't watch. And then the 90s for me were really significant as a soap fan because it was in 1990 that I started, like, really watching and following to the extent that I could, given that I was in junior high and started (laughs) high school, every single show. Wow. And there were 11 at the time. Um, Then I went off to college where I ended up writing my honors thesis on soaps, the Robin Stone uh, storyline on GH in particular, and then moved to New York and started working here after I graduated. Um, In the 90s, you know, they were sort of their own heyday in storytelling um, in soaps. And some terrific pairings came out of that decade, like GH's Sonny and Brenda and One Life to Live's Todd and Blair and YNR's Neil and Drew. Um, But we also saw a downward shift in the ratings brought about uh, by the O.J. Simpson trial and the rise of cable TV and also the early days of the Internet. Mm-hmm. And 1990 is actually when I started working here. And at the time, we were heavily covering the primetime soaps, too. I mean, I thought the coolest thing about this job was getting to read Knott's Landing scripts. <laughs> Um, But, you know, that decade is also marked by James E. Riley's completely changing the daytime landscape over a days when he had Vivian bury Carly alive and then doubled down with the possession of Marlena. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know that in the long run, the success of those storylines bode well for soaps in general. You know, we saw so many try to copy that format to like very mixed results. And, you know, in that decade alone, we saw Santa Barbara, Loving in the City, Generations, Sunset Beach and Another World go off the air. It's still heartbreaking to think of. Um, I feel like the 2000s in some ways were really defined by shows just like trying to adjust to the new realities of the industry. You know, we we, we saw all sorts of things coming to a head with regards to viewership, like um, there being so many you know, fewer women at home during mm-hmm. the day, which had uh, always been the bedrock viewing base. Uh, there being a zillion channels to choose from on television, right. uh, video games and content outline, just like all of these things um, coalescing. And by the end of that decade, we said goodbye, not only to daytime's youngest soap passions, but the two oldest, Guiding Light and As the World Turns. And then in, in 2010, All My Children moved its production to California. So for the first time in the history of the genre, there was only one soap shooting in New York. And by 2012, both AMC and One Life were gone, and then there were no soaps shooting in New York. It's unbelievable. And it's really amazing to see how the current shows have managed to thrive in a forced soap environment. Mm-hmm. And let's hope it continues as we move into 2020 and beyond. Dear, dear. Um, so our guest today is someone whose own daytime career has spanned the 80s, 90s, and the aughts. It's Cassie DePaiva, who began her soap career as Guiding Lights Chelsea, but really found her groove as One Life to Live's Blair, and more recently moved on to Days of Our Lives as Eve. So let's get her on the phone to talk about her soap journey. Hi, Cassie. Hello, ladies. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. I love to sit down and talk with people, especially my girlfriends who love soaps just like I do. And uh, it's an honor to be a part of this. So thanks. Well, we feel the same way. Now, let's go back a bit uh, to the beginning, Cassie. And how did a Kentucky girl like yourself end up in showbiz? Oh, my gosh. It's God's grace and good fortune and a little bit of crazy in there. Mm -hmm. I uh, grew up in a little bitty town in Kentucky, but I had the wonderful 
um, fortunate of having really great speech and debate coaches, even in junior high. And in high school, I really got a taste of the acting aspect of things because I was a part of the speech and debate team in the drama club. And we competed in the National Forensic League tournaments and statewide and regionals and nationals, um, you know, all the time. And so I did that kind of competition and I kind of got my foot in the door and figured like, oh, well, this is kind of fun and not too hard. <laughs> and uh, um, I don't know, I was, when I was a senior in high school, I was named Best Actress in the Southeastern Theater Conference. And I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but that's a big um, deal. It was, it was at the time. And I decided, well, maybe I could do something with this. So I um, went to Indiana University and studied theater, drama major, and then transferred to UCLA. And in the, in between that, I was actually, I sang in uh, Opryland, which is, um, used to be an amusement park, but it had a lot of musical attributes to it. And I was part of that. And it's just one thing led to another. And I've been unbelievably fortunate to have a career and make a career, make, have a living and, um, doing something that I truly love, whether it's the acting or the singing aspect, they've all been pretty much intertwined Mm -hmm. and, that's been fun. And I always thought it was something I was going to grow out of and like, Oh, let's just let Cassie stand up and sing a song. It's like, yeah, okay. You know, when you're six or seven, that sounds, no, that's fun. But then I've been doing it, (laughs) you know, here I am 58 and still like, let's just have Cassie get up and sing a song. (laughs) So your first daytime job uh, was on Guiding Light playing Chelsea Reardon. Um, what were you doing like before you booked that job and what was your casting story uh, landing that job? Well, it was really interesting. I had been on the road with Bobby Womack, which is a legendary soul singer for two tours. And I want to say it was like from like 83 and 84 and then 85 and 86. And I got off that tour and said, you know what? I didn't really move out to Los Angeles to just sing. I wanted to get serious with the acting. So um, I had had a commercial agent and I just said, okay, it's time to get a legitimate agent. And it's, but it's really hard. You know, you, it's like getting a union card. You can't get a union card unless you get a job and you can't get a job unless you're part of the union. And I don't know how all that end up in, ends up working out for everybody. But for me, I finally got a theatrical agent and they submitted me for a horror film called Evil Dead 2. And who knew that, you know, 30 years ago, that would still have the legs that it does now. It's it's one of the top 25 cult classic horror films. And Amazing. Yeah, I know. It's, it's totally crazy. So I, as soon as I got that agent, I started auditioning for other things. So I did the movie. And a week later, I auditioned for The Guiding Light. And it was just a regular audition in Los Angeles. And then they had a callback like three weeks later. And I said, okay. I went back for a callback because I'd never really done any, hadn't auditioned for any television. I was 25. And then like three weeks later, they 
wanted me to do a screen test and they were going to fly me to New York. It's like, okay, what's that mean? And, um, and then, you know, a week later, or actually I think that day I was notified that I had gotten the job and it was very funny because that was in New York and I didn't know any difference. So I, I just told the production in the production office, the secretary, I said, do you mind if I, I'm going to call my mom and dad? And she goes, yeah, could, could I could just go in that room? There was the executive producer's room. I didn't even know it. So I sat behind the desk and I called and I said, well, my mom and dad, I got, I got the job and they were you know, so thrilled. And my dad said, well, I'm really happy for you, Cassie, but if you could only get on Days of Our Lives, you will have made it in my eyes. <laughs> because my dad used to sit, um, he lived, you know, we lived in town and he would walk home every day and mom would fix him a sandwich like the good wife that she is. And he would sit in his lazy boy and watch, eat a sandwich and watch his soap. And he would go, you know, play bridge and do whatever and but he would end up talking with all the women about the soaps <laughs> and he watched days of our lives. So days of our lives has always been a real special place. It had a real special place in, in my family and especially with my father. And he still, he still watches to this day. So it's great. That's so sweet. That is. Um, so then now you join as Chelsea. What are your standout memories of your time in Springfield? You know, it's really interesting. I was so green and so afraid that I kept thinking, well, they're going to find out that I'm a fake. <laughs> like, I can't do this. So I think it took me a year and a half to finally settle in to realizing that I can do this. I'm worthy of this success. And, you know, this that kind of work is is hard. And it is it can be you have to get into a rhythm of it. People ask all the time, like, how, how do you do it? And it's certainly a muscle that I have been training for 30 years, and it's much easier than it used to be. But when you're first starting out, there's so many things that you're just trying to figure out as an actress, as a, as a, you know, as a young adult, as somebody in the spotlight. And, you know, back then soaps were really, 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 really popular. And your, your life can change overnight as far as going into a, uh, you know, walking through an airport or cause all of a sudden there's, you're so identifiable. It's not so much that way now for soaps, because I just think that we've lost so many eyes, but at one point, you know, the only access people had to physically meeting their soap opera, favorite soap opera star was at a shopping mall and an appearance where you would have anywhere between 1,000 to 10,000 people showing up, you know, for a, a Q&A and just to, to look at Max Holden's backside, you know, it was kind of <laughs> that kind of crazy, um, fanatical appearance. It was, it, but it's hard to explain that now because people don't have that kind of um, experience. The fans don't, and the actors don't. Now, do you remember doing your first Soap Opera Digest cover with Grant Alexander in 1987? Oh, my, <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And I remember the interview. And um, I was, you know, I was so green. I didn't even know that I was 
going to be on the cover. I'm like, well, yeah, I was doing this. And I like that. Like, yeah, I totally remember. <laughs> and I remember doing the photo shoot and, you know, you know, I didn't really know Grant. I, I think I'd only been working for like four months. And you know, my the first Philip was John Bolger that I worked with. And then Grant came back and took over the role. So he had only, I'd only been working with him, I want to say a month, maybe. And so I really didn't know that even the article was going to be about me. You know, that just, this was all just like, okay, I'm just this wide-eyed, bushy-tailed girl going, yeah, I'm go, I'll go for it. I'll talk. I'll talk. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I was just such a green bean. It's such a, such a cute thing. Mm-hmm. So you, you left in 1991. Um, Right when they were just launching a Fletcher, Frank, Chelsea triangle, might I add, that I was prepared to really be invested in. Um, and when you left at that time, were you open to doing another daytime show? Like, what was your your vision for where you wanted your career to go at that time? Well, you know, it's it is a business, and Procter and Gamble. It was it was very interesting. I had married my first marriage was to the uh, production designer Richard Hankins there, and I, you know, and I had worked on um, Guiding Light, and it was, you know, doing soap operas, I hadn't, it wasn't something I thought, well, I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Uh, and, you know, I was, I liked, I loved doing the work, but I thought, well, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to stay here. You know, you you talk to actors, I think Jerry Vidorn and Jay Hammer and Peter Simon were all around 40 years old back then. And I remember going, man, these actors and even the women, you know, Maeve Kincaid and um, Kim Zimmer, these were like people that I looked up to that were just wonderful actors. And I thought, why are they staying in daytime? They're so good. They should be going out doing other things. And I remember, you know, Peter Simon saying to me and Jerry Verdorn saying to me, me, this is a great job and you can have a really wonderful life and get your ego stroked just enough and have a quality of life and have a family and do things. And I thought, well, that sounds, you know, that's great. But at the time I was like 27, 28 or something like that. And I just said, well, I'm not ready to settle down yet. So I'm going to go out and see what I can get done. And I left Guiding Light, moved back out to L.A., and my marriage kind of fell apart. Not kind of, it did. Um, And I had done a couple of episodic stuff. And then I said, well, you know what? Maybe I could go back and do it. And I I had auditioned for Another World. They were recasting um, a part on that, and I didn't get it. And Do you remember what the, part? Mara and I are looking at each other, trying to figure out who you could have well, been. Well, t- I'm trying to think. The, the actor that I was working opposite, oh gosh, it. Um, you remember, uh, he was on As the World Turns. His name is escaping me right now. Mark but he went. Up, yes, that's who I auditioned with because I went, you know, I had a screen test. So it was Paulina or Vicky would be the, would be the guest depending on the year when they recast Paulina with Judy Evans. They had also recast Vicky with Jensen Buchanan. Yeah, I have no idea. But anyway, they didn't pick me. <laughs> so 
so they didn't pick well, me, which was a blessing because like, yeah, which like, a, like three weeks later I was auditioning for, um, you know, I think the one life to live. So, which, you know, worked out. Now, your being cast as Blair on One Life to Live came as kind of a shocker <laughs> to a lot totally, of the fans. Totally, totally. I, you know, I've, you know, Chelsea was an original thing, which I didn't, you know, it was exciting. You know, you're creating something, but when you're walking into playing someone else's role that the fans have already accepted, and I mean, also with with even Eve, I mean, it's it's not always the most ideal situation because you have to win fans over or you just have to toughen up your skin and just go, okay, this is what I'm bringing to the canvas and this is what it's going to be. Now, you, And I'm, you know, I'm a big enough girl to know that not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to approve it, approve of it. And then there are other people going to think that, you know what, you're really never going to be that character to me. So, but I'm like, well, okay, well, this is the best you got right now. So you might as well enjoy it. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it was a, um, I mean, I certainly think it was like, on the one hand, yay, that lovely lady from Guiding Lights coming aboard. And on the other, it's like, wasn't she not blonde and blonde? That's right. She, she was um, <laughs> Amerasian. And it's like, and I didn't even know that until I was like auditioning. And I think I had my second audition and Cammy Patton was the casting director. And, you know, it was all of this for Blair. It was the scene with Max and it's, you know, over that top, over the top sexual innuendo. And it's like, yes, Max, whatever. <laughs> and so when I, when I went in to do the audition, I just, kind of found found out that I, it was a recast and I was like I'm never going to get this part I'm even you know I don't look anything like this actress and you know here I'm out in Los Angeles you know I have to go back go to New York I said I'm just going to go in and have fun with it so I end up going in getting going another step further for the screen test and I went to New York to do it but uh, Jim DePiva at the time was on vacation and he wasn't there to do the screen test and it was going to be with, so they changed, it was the same scene, except they changed the lines and they, they made it with cord instead. And so my screen test was, was with John Loprino, who was just an angel and a love. And once again, I was fortunate enough to get the part and I didn't even, you know, two weeks later I'm starting and I'm working opposite Jimmy and he comes into the makeup room and we gave each other a big hug. And it was like, you know, who knew that he was going to end up being my husband in real life? You know, so it's <laughs> right. like, oh, OK, here we go. <laughs> new chapter, new game. <laughs> totally. And Blair, you know, ended up having her way with John Leprino's character as well. So it's everyone, everyone won. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, that was, you know, the Cord Max, the Buchanan's. The whole one one life to live chapter for me was amazing. Now that that was a soap that I used to watch growing up. I mean, I loved Vicky and I loved Vicky and Clint. I mean, I was watch flashbacks with them, and they're just they're they just had an amazing connection as actors that just you you believed it. They were real. They seemed real to me, and uh, um. You know, 
Dorian and Herb Callison. I mean, fantastic chemistry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, yeah. you know, I, yeah. it's no, just no, no. good totally. stuff. Um, so, uh, my all time favorite soap couple is Todd and Blair. I believe I've made you, uh, mention that med- a time med- or two. I might've mentioned that to you, Cassie, a time or two. And also on this podcast, well, I think I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't even believe this, but we're basically talking on the 25th anniversary of that pairing. Um, Aww. isn't that crazy? So yeah. what, what is your take on why, they struck such a chord with the audience and why their popularity endured really for the rest of the show's run and uh, beyond. You know what? It's always been a conundrum to me. I'm like, I don't understand the success of it. I never did. Um, you know, Roger, you know, back in the day when, when we first got together, Todd and Blair, you know, Roger, wasn't really interested in running lines, working with me. I mean, it was, it was crazy how hard that was to, to me to make it feel like it was working. Mm-hmm. But when you go back and you YouTube a clips of all of that, it's unbelievably interesting to watch. Um, I think we had both had very unique characters uh, individually, but when you put them together, the angst that came out of this pairing was you, you just couldn't take your eyes off of it. It was like watching a train wreck as well as this developing deep, deep understanding of each other. And it, it just sustained, you know, years of really good soap opera and I think entertaining television. So having been in your fair share of pairings and seeing your fair sh- own fair share of pairings, um, mm-hmm. do you think it is more important to have really great chemistry or a really great storyline for a couple oh, to work? God. Now, all right, I, then I'm going to turn it around and ask you guys what that is, because it's to me, I think it takes both. I think you could have all the greatest chemistry ever and have a bad story and you can still sell it. But if you've got great chemistry on top of having a fabulous writer and a story, then, you, then you've got gold. And I think that that's what, um, I, I just think what that's what every show is looking for. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, would yeah. Agree. I, I agree. I also think if the first story that brings the couple together is great and the chemistry is there, the fans will forgive some some ho-hum stories just to keep experiencing that chemistry that they first fell in love with. Of course. I mean, you see that with Ben and Sierra now on right. mm-hmm. Days of Our Lives. I mean, these the two are, it, it's beautiful to watch. And you don't know, you know, what's going to happen, but you want, you want it to happen. You want to see what these two are going, how they're going to overcome challenges. And and hopefully they write something that, you know, that these actors can honor and bring to the, you know, to the, take it off the page and bring it to the canvas and really bring the ratings up, make it un, you know, unstoppable, must see TV. 
Um, so you mentioned uh, that you did meet your husband at oh, One yeah. Life to Live. So right around the time that Blair was finding the love of her life, you were doing the same, really. Um, so what was it like for you when you and Jim got together and here you are, you know, working on the same show? Like, did you have any hesitation? <laughs> hesitation? What? <laughs> um, you know, I loved Max and Blair's pairing. I th- I thought it was sexy and dangerous and broken. You know, when they got together, you know, I was coming back to, you know, I w- Blair was, you know, the big spoon in the Max and Luna bowl. So she was there to break up that marriage. And then Max had his addiction storyline and we got to do the gambling storyline. And that's when you saw the sad destruction. And you, re- I think that that's where you really got to see Blair's sickness and her obsession when she's with a man, she obsesses about them. So you saw that. And then you, with the Max and Blair situation, and then when she was thrown into with, with Todd, you finally found someone who understood Blair on that level and took advantage of that. Her, um, psychosis of being obsessed and he played he played her every at every turn but i you know i can sit here and talk about all that kind of stuff forever how long is this podcast (laughs) 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 we can have our own little (laughs) spinoff sign me up i love talking about this stuff (laughs) it's all right i i'm not i'm not hanging on every single word or anything yeah. <laughs> um, well, another relationship and another like aspect of, of Blair's life that was such a through line was um, her status as a Kramer girl. And I'd love to hear a little about your off-screen bond with Robin Strasser, who played your aunt on One Life. You recently, t- re- you know, reunited with for a bit on Days, and who's just still very much in your life today as a friend. She certainly is, and you know, you have. Um, the Kramer women just happened. You know, you have generation after generation. And I would say Robin is the reason for that. She um, she she loved she loved being the you know the the matriarch of that family. And what beautiful potential for great stories and great drama. And, you know, it's like watching Little Women. <laughs> you know, it's, you've got so much going on and so much deep, committed love. And that, ha- you know, Robin has always just felt like family to me. And it's, it's you know, when she was, when I was sick, she was there for me. And she continues to be there for me. And, um, you know, we talk probably every two weeks or more on the phone and we text and we not text cause she doesn't text, uh-huh. but we, uh, email and I mean, I love her. I mean, I think about my relationship with Kristen Alderson, she's like, she was like my daughter growing up mm-hmm. and, uh, um, it's it, it was a beautiful thing. And I do believe that the success of the Kramer women 
really gave way to the success of the Davies women on General Hospital. You know, mm. um, it's it's kind of reminiscent. I mean, it's that's the beautiful thing about soap operas is it's so generational. You, your grandmother watches it. Your mother watches it. You watch it. And your daughter watches it. Your granddaughter watches it. It's um, it's it's great. And if you can show, and now that we've been on air for sixty five years, you know, guiding light seventy or whatever, you you have those generations that can relate. And there's there's always an actor or a character in that demographic that grabs the heart of the viewer, and I love that. Absolutely. So in 2011, uh, One Life was very sadly canceled. Um, What was that period of time like for you? It was the darkest time of my life. Um, It was hard. It was terribly hard because, you know, it's just, I think it's because it all just felt so unnecessary Mm -hmm. and there was no real closure. And, you know, we were all called over to the view along with all my children, we were fully expecting all my children to hear that. But when they said one life to live as well, it was like, what? Um, it's, it was, it's terribly sad. And I still believe that ABC has never really recovered from it. And I know the soap fans have not. Mm-hmm. I have not. Right. No. Put, put me on the list. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in, in 2012, you made um, several visits to General Hospital playing Blair. And, mm-hmm. and without even knowing I was going to be talking to you, I was watching some of those scenes recently. And you were so awesome in Port Charles. Oh, oh my gosh. So what, thank you. What was that experience like for you? Well, it was bittersweet. Now, to be honest, I will tell you that it was hard for me to to do it because it was you know they were they I was excited they were just like oh yeah we're gonna bring Blair over we're gonna bring these four characters over so I thought well well that's really great I mean sure I'll do it and then you find out that they're offering contracts to three out of the four people and then I realized that well you know what I'm just then I get the story and realize, oh, I'm just a ploy so they can put Todd with Carly. Well, that totally ripped my heart out. You know, you spend 13 to 18 years or how many, however long I was there um, building a brand. And then you realize, oh, well, it doesn't really matter that much. So when I went there, all I wanted to do, really wanted to do was represent One Life to Live. And I wanted to do the best work possible. Here I was, this New York actress going back to L.A. And I just wanted to come in with my guns loaded. And I think I did like seven episodes in three days or something crazy like that uh, the first time around. And I was working, you know, with with Roger that, you know, given what I said when we first started working 20 years ago, you know, we worked really well together toward the end. And I've always said that Roger and I, say it best when we say nothing at all. We don't really even have to talk. <laughs> I don't even know why that works, but it just always has worked. Um, so that was hard. But, you know, in hindsight, 
it's everything works out because I got days of our lives. So, I mean, you know, God always knows best. And I just always have to step back and let, let God, I just have to let God do what he's going to do. Um, now, before you did go to days, there was the internet reboot of One Life, which I really thought was so good. And I feel if it was today, there would just be such a different approach and people are so much more used to binge watching now in a way they weren't then. Um, but what do you remember about that and what sticks out about reconnecting with your castmates? Well, that was wonderful. And all of this, that you know, that happened so fast because they had to get it within a time frame of the um, contractual um, umbrella of using the character with Prospect Park and ABC and all this kind of stuff. So everything happened too fast and they had an unsustainable, it was just, it was unsustainable working platform. Um, and that's why there were only 40 episodes, but you're right. Given if this were happening now and we had people that had had more thought behind it and more time to get it ready to go, I think it could have been more successful. I think it would be considered successful. Now I wish people would, I wish the, networks or somebody would take interest in it because I do believe we would have as many eyes as we had. And, um, mm -hmm. I think, I think it could, I think it could work, but I don't know why nobody wants to take that on. I know. I mean, the audience is certainly still there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you did, as we know, then resurface in Salem as Eve and how did that come about uh, for you? And were you like surprised to find yourself finally on your dad's show? Yeah. What's your dad say? <laughs> yeah, I was. You finally um, made it. Well, it was really interesting. Jimmy and I were walking to, we were walking, you know, I live in Lincoln Center area and we were walking up to Columbus, right, right, Columbus Circle. And I just gotten a text from my, my friend Tanya who kind of takes care of all my fan stuff. And she's just, she's it helped me for like 20 years, just really, really great answering stuff, doing my fan club or whatever. And she said, today is your 20 year anniversary of joint of, of Blair. And I was like, Oh, Jimmy 20, you know, I was still sad from one life to live being canceled, you know, and I get home we don't do whatever we're doing. I get home and I get this call from my agent and he's like, Oh yeah. Days of our lives called. Would you be interested? I said, Oh my gosh, this is just so weird. I just, um, still in Jimmy. I said, I'll probably, you'll never do daytime again. You know, oh, everything's over. Um, and then, you know, they had offered me this part and Gary Tomlin at the time was, was writing and um, Chris Weitzel was writing as well. And I was very, very excited. And I said, sure, what's the part? <laughs> and they kind of just said it's the character of Eve and um, that Charlotte Ross had played it 20 years ago. And uh, I said, okay. I said, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't look, I don't look 20 anymore. I don't look 40 anymore. Um, and they, they, you know, they, I, you know, Gary Tomlin knows my work. So 
it's, it's one of those things I got really fortunate and, um, I guess Charlotte couldn't do the part. So, you know, I'll, I, I'm just trying to step into those shoes. You know, Eve was in love with a man with a scar on his face back in the day. It's, it must oh, be that's, a thing. That's crazy. <laughs> well, how, how come they didn't uh, uh, address that? <laughs> that would well, have been he, a really good thing that Ron could yeah. have like really brought to the. He passed a long candy. time ago. R.I.P. Oh. Nick Corelli, another another bad boy I loved. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> well, you know, um, Ken Corday told me that nobody ever dies in Salem. So <laughs> who knows? Maybe he could have come back. That's true. Um, so then what was it like for you to be at Days? I mean, you had been in One Life for so long and here you were playing a new role and, you know, you really came in guns blazing. Totally. Yeah, it, it was it was wonderful to be back on a set. And, you know, that I love, if, if I haven't said it before, I love soaps. Did I, did I mention that? <laughs> Do you like soaps, Cassie? And can you yeah, clarify and, and, the rumor? And I love working on the set. I love everything about it. So walking on the set was fantastic. And then walking in, working with people that I, you know, have met over the years or that were iconic to me. Um, it, it's, it was, it was really a wonderful experience. And then, you know, about three weeks into it, I realized like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to seduce JJ. And it's like, Oh, this is the Mrs. Robinson storyline. Yikes, I have arrived at that age. Here we go. So that was to me, I had no idea that's what I was cast to play or that was going to be the story. So that was an interesting turn. But once, you know, once you know that, then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm game. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, you know, hey, hey, I'm ready. So just tightened the bra straps and kept on going. Mm-hmm. Well, you've come and gone a few times over the, the course of your of your Salem run, but they've put you with so many different people. Eric Martzolf, Matt Ashford. Like, that's a pretty cool... Missy A. Martinez. Missy, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. hundred percent. Like, lots and of they great had, partners. Yeah, and they had started... Um, with Vincent Irizarry and that was oh, right. when I got yeah. sick. Mm-hmm. So that's when they brought me back, you know, they were going to, you know, they just picked up the story. They just kind of wrote the story, but they wrote it off camera of my stuff with Vincent because, um, yeah, some of the choices of leaving were not mine. And then I got sick and then they were generous enough to invite me back, which was great. And this last and now that I'm leaving um, again, or I have left again at Christmas Eve, I, I leave. Um, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's always a bummer. You know, it's, I, I, did I mention that I love so? <laughs> <laughs> and I love being a part of it. And it's, it, that's, that's the hard part is, um, is saying goodbye to that part because you don't want it to ever end. And that also was a really beautiful thing is when I didn't think I would ever work again with Robin Strasser. So what a nice little gift that was. Thank you, Ron, um, to get to have some great scenes. Some, some of it was tongue in cheek, um, with, with one life to live flavorings, but Mm -hmm. it was great. 
it was really great. And I got all misty eyed when I got to work with her on set. And, you know, just I'm so proud of her. And it was very courageous of her to take over the part of Vivian. And it's hard to walk into onto a set where you don't know anyone into a role that everybody knows better than you. It's very hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we did talk about you and I, how Eve had come back on New Year's Eve. She left on Christmas <laughs> Eve. Um, yeah. But Eve, 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 it's, 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 it's an Evie kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, all about Eve. Um, so is the door left open for a return for you? Well, as I told you, Mr. Corday says, Cassie, don't you worry. You know, nobody ever dies in Salem. So I think, you know, Eve is such a fabulous character. She is also kind of like Vivian. She is pseudo villain-esque with a heart. So if there's going to be trouble I think they're going to go to their list of troublemakers, and I think she's right on the top of it. <laughs> so I, I I love that, and it's mm-hmm. fun. But at the same time, as I mean, it's she's Eve is certainly not Blair. You know, Blair is somebody that you rely on. Not Eve is somebody that you rely on to cause trouble. Right. Although Blair was a troublemaker, she still did things. Um, you, she had a bigger rooting factor. Mm-hmm. I think. And um, also you have filmed, again, we will see you in 2020 as Eve. Um, you were yes. at the set when the uh, pickup was announced. I imagine that yes. was an exciting day in Salem. Well, it was. And, um, you know, I worked the last seven episodes before the end of this before the hiatus started. So it'll be curious to see if I get a call, um, if I get a call that they want me to come back afterwards. I have no idea. So what have you been doing since you did wrap up uh, that stint? I know there was a road trip involved. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it's been six months. Been it's been crazy. We we took about three weeks and traveled from L.A. We stopped at Park City, then in Colorado, and then one night on the road. And then I spent like ten days down in Kentucky visiting my family. And then I, you know, we Jimmy and I have a home up in the Catskill Mountains. And after five years of just coming and going, one weekend a month. I'm finally giving, was able to do a little TLC in the garden and in my house. And, and I love playing house. So I've just kind of not pseudo retired by any stretch, but nesting. Yeah. And I'm, and I love it. And, um, you know, I got the call to come back to do the little stint at, again, at days. And I'm, you know, Absolutely. <laughs> I'll be glad to work. And if they want to call me again, I- I'm available. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Or any other soap. So it'd be great. Um, and now before we let you go, please give us a health update. How have you been doing? I'm feeling good. I um, I am still in remission, praise the Lord. Um, that still continues to be something that I can't believe that I journeyed through. Um I had a little gallbladder surgery 
two weeks, just a little gallbladder surgery, <laughs> oh, two, two weeks ago. Um, so I'm a little recovering from that, but that is not cancer related at all. It's just, you know, issues with parts of your body breaking down. Um, but I'm doing fine, doing fine. And, you know, getting older is not, so I love a lot of aspects of it, but you know, just I just wish I was in better shape. That's all. <laughs> I hear you. I know. It's like, ah. Well, we always love talking to you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Gosh, gals, I love it. And thank you so much for including me. Um, I, thank you, fans, for just always being a champion of my work. I appreciate it. I love, I love soap operas <laughs> and, uh, um, I'm just really feel unbelievably blessed to have been a player in this game for so long. It's just been great. So thank you. Thank, thank you. And you, have Kathy. a very happy new year and we will talk to you in 2020. I'm sure. Oh, I hope so. We'll have a better vision there. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to Jim for us, please. I sure will. And you guys have a blessed and beautiful holiday. Thank you. Thanks, Cassie. Okay. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Cassie DePaiva for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.